Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I think that's an admonishment, and I think it's also possible that he was opening ears at that moment for people to actually hear. So I pray that for us now. You know, in chapter 9 of our current Lenten study, An Unhurried Life, there's a story, a recounting of something called dry farming. If you've read that far, you will have read about it, or maybe you know of dry farming already. But they refer to it and uh, use it as an example, dry farming in a vineyard. Now, dry farming versus regular farming, as we understand it today, it involves no artificial irrigation whatsoever. Instead, the vineyard relies only on the water that comes or occurs naturally. Okay? Anyone using this technique has to embrace something for it to work. One of a couple of things in specific. They either have to switch to drought resistant crops or they have to build drought resistant crops out of the crops they have. They do the latter, the building by breaking their crop's addiction to artificial watering. That literally has to take place. Vines that grow with artificial irrigation develop a relatively small root ball because they don't have to reach very far for the water they need. So they're atrophied a bit, if you will. Vines that mature to thriving off what comes naturally have to develop a larger root ball that reaches out further and deeper to get their water. And though they don't mass produce quite as much fruit as the more artificially enhanced vines, their fruit is of a much higher quality and much more durable. It perseveres. So today as we look at the parable Diane just shared with us, we're looking at it in hopes of exploring together something that's important, being more fruitful, but not just being more fruitful, but how to bear more fruit that remains healthy, persevering fruit. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts, by the power of Holy Spirit and your grace, would be pleasing to you. Speak to us now and teach us, we pray through Christ. Amen. So just to recap... When a great crowd was gathering, people from town after town, they came and Jesus taught them this. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some of that seed fell along the path and was 
trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Wouldn't be much different than dropping it on this floor. Some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The rock kept it from being able to go deep with its root. And some fell among thorns and as they grew up together, the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded hundredfold, a bountiful good crop. And then when he said this, he called out, hear who ha- he who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right? Now, this passage does something that I just want to teach us in 45 seconds. It's called intertextual exegesis. There, I'm a nerd. Now you know. <laughs> Intertextual exegesis, exegeting a passage is when you open it up and look for what it is saying instead of trying to make it say what you want to. Well, this happens to be one of those moments when after telling the parable, Jesus exegetes what he says and he tells his apostles, this is what I meant by the parable. We're going to start in verse 11 and I'm just going to walk through Jesus exegesis. you like that pause? (laughs) Some of you still haven't got it. It's really funny. (laughs) Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So what does that tell us? The seed is the word of God. It came from God and it's good. It's truth. You can count on it. All right. So the problem in this parable that Jesus is trying to address is not the seed. The seed is solid. All right? The ones along the path, verse 12, are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. That's the birds who come and snatch it up to eat it and take it away. That would be the devil. So that they may not believe and be saved. So the hearts are hardened like a trampled path. The seed can't penetrate and it goes, but the enemy comes and steals it away. Because it has no ability to get in deeper, right? Something has to happen to that soil. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, the seed goes out, they receive it with joy. They get that there's something important about this, special. It's healing, it's loving, it's good. But these have no root, They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. In other words, they start with it, but then it has no traction, no grip that it really gets hold of in the ground because so many things are in the way and it can wither. Now, a picture of this, not in terms of a small plant, but large plants. Do you remember when we had those awful tornadoes a few years back? One of the things I had never witnessed when I was in Texas, in Texas, strong straight line winds happen and it wouldn't be unusual for, say, a mesquite tree, which is kind of a scrubby little tree with thorns on it that grows all over the place naturally in Texas. It's nothing for a 10-foot mesquite tree to have roots that literally go down 60 feet, a taproot that goes down that or further because it has to hang on because those winds that come... When the tornadoes came through here and these old mountains that have eroded over so many years and have topsoil sitting on on top of hard rock, where do those tree roots go? Not down so far, 
They go like this. And if they're not able to interlock with other roots around them, when those tornadoes came, they knocked them over like matchsticks. Caused a lot more damage than would have happened otherwise. They just couldn't get there. You know? That's when he's saying, some receive my word, but they, the cares and the rocks, the, the struggles that they're dealing with, the things that are in the way, the, the still hard places, keep it from finding the ability to root well. Then he says, those that fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I just want to be very clear. This is a real picture of a kingdom walk other than the kingdom of God, pursuing a kingdom that is not the kingdom of God. I have figured out how to get around in the world, to be reasonable, to be successful, to produce But if I'm not seeking the kingdom of God, many other worries and struggles that are more than I would have ever realized come up and begin to choke out. And then I become paralyzed almost sometimes by this choice of which way do I go? This way I know how to survive. I'm used to this. This is normal. And this is where Jesus is going. But I'm really scared to go this way because I don't understand that. I might have to let go of some things and go this way. And that's really hard. And it's really, really scary. And Jesus is identifying his empathy with that, his sympathy for that. You even see a picture of it in the Garden of Gethsemane. In that moment, it was so counterintuitive to him that he said, Father, if there is any way Please don't make me have to do this. But then his roots showed up. But not my will, your will. That's what he's saying. If he did not have that deep root in that moment, would he have been able to stay his course? He had to have that deep root to persevere. And that goes to the last one. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. How do we take this passage? I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about our soil. Now, I need to be clear. I need to make sure that I say this very, very clearly. We don't bear fruit to earn God's love or favor. We do not bear fruit to gain ground with God. We bear fruit because God freely favors us. Amen? He freely, of his own good pleasure, it says in the scripture, 
favors us. Therefore, he ordains that we bear his fruit in the world, the fruit of Holy Spirit in the world. Now, in, his, in response to his freely favoring us, this is why I said what I did, I think Jesus is kindly coming to say, I want to do some work with your soil so we can bear more fruit. Not because you need it to please God, but because you are the ones in whom God is pleased in me. How's that sound? All right. I'm going to draw a negative picture of this and I'm going to use me as the canvas. I want you to understand this. This is actually kind of hard for me to recall, but I'm going to do it. I am ashamed to admit that I used to hate people as a general rule. And I was a therapist. You should be terrified. (laughs) My own fears, my own anxieties wed to my own narcissism and arrogance and a life devoted to trying to ratchet down and be able to make it in the world, it made the needs, the fears, the anxieties of others almost intolerable frustrations for me. I didn't have the equipment, and I didn't know what to do, and so eventually I just began to go no further, and that no further began to grow and grow and grow And I was so blind in this that it literally, it came very close to costing me everything. I won't go into more detail than that. But it got very dark and very bad for me. And that is where Jesus met me. In that place, that dark, broken I have no idea what to do next place. He stepped in. He began to do work in my soil. And I began to read scripture. You can read scripture all day and be no different ever. But when he came in and began to do work in my soil and I began to read the Bible, I began to see it differently. It went from being an accusative book of shame to a life-giving book calling me into something that I didn't know I belonged to. I no longer hate people. You can rest. As a matter of fact, I deeply and dearly love people. Your needs, fears, and anxieties now represent to me opportunities to discover healing together. That's different. I'm not who I was. But I was who I was. But I'm not anymore. However, today, if I allow myself to get too tired, too impatient, too narrowly focused on problems or frustrations, it's as if the devil shows up with a wheelbarrow. And he starts dumping rocks and trying to sow weeds back into soil. Things, sow things back into me that contributed to my past hatefulness. 
and he's trying to put them in soil that Jesus has already made and is continuing to make good. Jesus is not frustrated by this work, but I sure feel it. So what do I do? I have to tend the soil. I have to, not to please God, not to do better, try harder, but so that I don't break down and fall back into who I was when I am no longer that person. I have to rest. I have to practice slowing, sometimes stopping. I have to take time to redirect my attention to healthy, life-giving, recreating things rather than just staying in the fray and the pressure of relentless demand and hurry. Here's what I got to do. I got to view life not as some uh, assembly line or, or uh, manufacturing thing to put stuff out. And I have to slow down, allow my roots to grow deep, allow that root ball to get bigger so that the core of who I am finds the nourishment that God faithfully brings. I cannot go back to the substitute. By doing this, I believe that I'm actually stepping in line with something that's taught in Scripture. I think that I'm resisting the devil. Which Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee. You believe that? Whether you do or whether you don't, it's still true. God does. God believes it. He said it. So by doing this, I'm resisting the devil. By doing this, I overcome sinful habits. By doing this, I become healthier ground no matter what's going on around me. This is a way I work to tend my soil. Do I get it right every time? No, I don't. I don't, and I bet you don't either. I get that. But am I better than I used to be? Yep. Am I as good as I'm going to be? No way. Because he who began a good work in me is committed to seeing it to fulfillment. Amen? And that's true for you. I try to steward the love and mercy and favor that God freely gives me in ways that are helpful to me, but also to us. Not as a legalist or some hired hand looking for favor, but as a son upon whom favor is freely bestowed. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. It's a, it's a burden, labor thing. Upon you. What yoke would that be? It would be the yoke of the favored son. So I'm taking that upon me. What labor is associated with it? Loving as he has loved. That's the work. And how long does the process take? I'm banking on eternity. The gospel frees us to be honest. That's why we do confession of sin. When we start talking about tilling the soil and people start really having to think about the places where they're off, it gets scary in church a lot of times. You need to know that used to, I think it scared me, but what it provoked in me was more anger. So I understand. But we've got to get to the place where we can hear that it's good news that God knows that we're from the dust, 
that he was there when Genesis 3 happened and mankind fell, that he has done something about it, and that him telling us where we're off is not to shame us like maybe many of our fathers or mothers did, but it's to say you are better than you were and you have no idea how good it's going to get. Let me walk you there. I really believe that. So, I have two questions for us to take from today. Just two. And I want you to take them and I want you to ponder them the rest of this Lenten season. And I want you to know that if they start to take you into places of shame or they start to take you into places of fear, I want you to know that that is not the leading nor the voice of Jesus. If they start to take you into places of shame, if they start to take you into places of fear where you're going to put your dukes up and push back, you're fighting a shadow that's come to lie to you. You're not fighting Jesus because Jesus is leading you to live, live and be blessed. Here are the questions. Ask yourself this. At this point in my journey, How's my soil? We know the seed's good. I know a lot of you enough to know that some of that seed's really taking root in your life. But this is a good season to say, how's my soil? Okay? You got that one? Here's the second one. At this point in our journey, how's our soil? As Mission Red Bank. If you find that your soil needs attention, slow down. Stop if necessary and give it the attention it needs. If you need help with that, please email me or Ethan or Diane or one of us so we can help you walk down that road. Give yourself the time and attention needed to learn and mature in this so that root ball begins to grow. Those roots begin to go deep. If you find that our soil as a chapel needs attention, which you will, I humbly ask this, that you humbly, kindly, try to think of gentle ways to help. I used my words on purpose. Consider the overall needs that we have. Come and talk with us who are serving as leaders to find out how we're thinking about them or if we're maybe missing them. Help us steward our soil well so that the root ball that God has placed in us grows. The roots sink deep till all of us are humbly, patiently, lovingly attending to what he's called us to together. Ethan said this to us a few weeks back. I thought it was wonderful. Doing it this way, where we work together, it halves the burden and doubles the joy. Many, many hands make light work that halves the burden. And then experiencing it together doubles the joy. We were created for that. So I believe Jesus is calling us to examine what kind of soil we are, his work on our behalf 
frees us to be honest about it. I know it's hard. And I know we're at different places in life. And sometimes that honesty is really scary. Come talk to me about it if you need to. That is truly okay. But I promise you, this is meant to help walk us into loving one another as he has loved us. That's the intent. Let's embrace the amazingly powerful gift Christ has given us and turn our faces toward becoming who he's creating to us, creating us to be. Patient with process, purposefully engaged, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, devoted to growing and maturing, serving and caring well for one another, persevering till the world can't deny that when they see us, they see him. Us growing till the world would only be able to say that when they see us, they see him. And then they got to deal with him. Touring like this takes time, but it's worth it. I humbly ask. I humbly charge us to make investment now, bear the fruit as we go, having the burdens, doubling the blessings, so that we might realize the goodness of our Father together. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.